this morning, uh, I'll, I'll be honest, yesterday turned into uh, me just thinking about this morning. All week, actually, I've been thinking about this morning because it's a big deal to me. Um, it's a big deal to me that we're sitting here together this morning. It's a big deal to me that we're in this place and it's this group of people. And I've just been kind of seeking God in, in a different way. God, what would you have for us this morning? Um, this morning is um, Overflow's birthday, um, which is pretty awesome. Um, yeah, um, it's, I think it's a big deal. We can't clap for that, in fact, um, if you want to do that. Because the truth is, this morning, we're not clapping for any person or uh, any group or any name. Um, man, that's, that's for a new guy. Um, because, to be honest, we had no idea what we were doing, and we still really don't. And uh, <laughs> it, it's all His grace that we're here this morning. It's all His grace that we're even talking about this. But, I've just been kind of seeking God in a different way this morning because um, as, a, as a group, as a thing, as an entity, Overflow has been around since 2010. That's crazy. <laughs> um, that's a, yeah, it's a couple years now, right? It's been a, been a day or two. Um, it started as a college ministry. Uh, we went to Passion, a couple of us, Kenny and Shade. Um, there were others, so if I didn't say you, I love you, don't be mad. Um, Grace, Grace, all those Grace. Um, <laughs> And we started as a college ministry. We met at a church down the road, um, a church that's donated all the red chairs uh, in other rooms, which is awesome. Um, and we met there for a couple of years, um, just kind of going through. I think we have some slides, actually. Um, maybe. There we go. Um, in a, I guess it was three years ago now, we left that place. God did some things. He told us, hey, you're going to start a church. And we didn't listen. And kind of kicked us out, which is awesome. And uh, Mom, don't be mad. That's the garage. You can go back one. Uh, everybody can see that. Uh, it still looks pretty much like that. It's got tubs on there. But this is uh, in my garage the next Wednesday night. We had band practice. That was the worst thing ever. Right? Um, it was pretty rough. Um, and to be honest, in that moment, uh, I looked at the band and I said, Hey, I will do this if you want to do this. Um, but I'm not doing it alone. It's the same mentality I have today, to be honest. I will do this if you want to do it, but if you don't, we'll shut it down. Um, because, man, there's too much work for one person to do. And they looked at me, and I remember John specifically coming up to me. He's like, hey, man, um, I'm with you. If you want to do this thing, I think he slapped like 100 bucks in my hand. Awesome. I went to the store. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, but I love that because he said, I'm with you, and he seated into what he believed God was going to do. And, um, and, and we met in the garage that week. The next uh, Thursday, we decided we were going to have overflow in the backyard. This is an old house. Um, God has relocated and now. We need to bless the new house, probably. But um, we didn't know who was going to show up or what was going to show up. We just knew, hey, we were going to have overflow. We're going to try. And uh, I think we had like what 40 people in the backyard. Just awesome. The neighbors loved it. Um, and we just sang, no lots, no sound, uh, and then preached. Um, and you know what was amazing was God showed up there in the backyard with none of that stuff. Um, and in that moment, it was like God was saying, you know what? I didn't need any of that stuff. I still don't need any of that stuff. Um, if you want to walk with me, I'll walk with you. Um, the next week, we were in a subdivision kind of thing. And the next week, um, a preacher called me from another local church. He said, hey, there's no reason you should have to quit doing what you're doing um, because, because you left that place that I want you to continue your ministry and hand me the keys. I still have the keys. I'm probably getting back. Um, <laughs> but this is uh, steadfast. And uh, we showed up. And for a year, we met on Thursdays. We had a little room in the back he gave us to keep all our equipment in. We'd drag it all out every Wednesday night and put it all up here Thursday night. And it was a pain in the butt. But man, God showed up and uh, made a way. And then um, about the, what, two Septembers ago, we moved into this awesome place. Uh, it's a closet, it's two bathrooms, spacious, <laughs> spacious room. And um, we put up a fake wall in front of the door to throw a fire marshal. And, uh, no stage, concrete floors. And I think this is a picture. Is this from our first Sunday? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's a picture from our first Sunday. There were a grand total of 12 people there. Um, we were thrilled to death. Because that was the first Sunday we ever got to do what we felt like God was telling us to do. Um, right? Let's, let's do an experiment. If you were there the first Sunday, okay. 
is awesome. Uh, everybody else uh, has come on board since that moment. Uh, who goes next? Next slide there. Uh, this is just some pictures of that building. Uh, go to the next. Deal. Then we moved into the bar. Uh, we started praying, God, we want you to do something uh, awesome in, in us, and through us, and we need more space for that to happen. And, uh, we found this place for us, and uh, it was beautiful. As you can see, this is actually after some work. All the tile had been ripped out. It was nasty. All the nasty carpet that you wouldn't want to touch had been ripped out. At that point in time, and this structure, go back, I didn't take you there. Um, so this structure is actually the bar um, that was in this room. It sat right over there, um, kind of in the corner. And uh, this was a completely different place. You saw a completely different thing. But what's amazing is God is now using this room to do amazing Things. Uh, isn't that cool that our God's that way? Um, some of you guys think you're too far gone. Um, <laughs> this was a bar. The very place we're standing in this morning that God is coming into and doing amazing things in the very place that some of you said yes to Jesus in is a bar. That's all it is. It's still a bar. We still got the bar. It's back there. Um, that's what God does. The picture of redemption. Just in the room. And uh, I don't know, this is a picture from somewhere sometime. Um, if there's any more you put through them, but this is all five places uh, that we've been up to this point in time. Uh, the far one was at North Acres. Uh, so we were a college thing. The next one's Caleb's backyard. The next one's Step Fast. The next one uh, is our little closet. And then this current one is where we are today. Uh, and the truth of it is, man, I hope this thing is 28 tiles long. And this journey is over. Um, but what this shows you in this picture is that God is faithful. God planted a dream in us way back in the day. We sat around at wishbones and talked about it. We sat about, around at Wendy's and talked about it. And we said, man, God wants us to do something bigger. Man, then it felt like you are never going to get Can't do it. You know, no about it. I've never been to school to be a church planner. I still don't even know what a church planner is or what a church seed looks like. Um, <laughs> kind of break it. Um, <laughs> man, the truth of it is, God is faithful. Amen. That first Sunday, so you guys probably thought me this mess. <laughs> I did. Talking about it some Sunday still, I think, man, I don't know. I don't know. But man, as I was thinking back over the past few days, man, there's no doubt in me that what God has placed in my heart that He can and will accomplish. Amen. Amen. And this looked like a long way away. Two, three years ago. I mean, today here we are. Here we are. And then on Labor Day we can put the room. Got more people. <laughs> but God is faithful. And I just want to let you know, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, and when, I, when we started talking about this thing, what I said to people was, and I'm not talking about ministering to like 150 people. I know that our God can do something in us that we won't be ministering to hundreds of people, but thousands of people, and still believe that. And there's no reason this morning that Knoxville couldn't change because what God does in this room, you know that? Amen. There's no room that, there's, there's no reason that we couldn't see. The, I mean, our nation's overdue for a revival, amen? amen. Uh, there's no reason we couldn't see that happen out of this very room or the next room or, or, or maybe even in the backyard. Because our God is faithful and what He's placed in us, He will accomplish it. We'll just get on board with what He's doing. And this morning, I don't want to always look back. Man, it's great to honor back there. It's great to look back there so we can know, man, God does carry us through. But the truth is, this morning, we can either stay here in this moment, or we can continue just to press into what God says He will do. I'd rather press in, wouldn't you? Yeah. Man, if this is what He can do in just a, a few years, it's, I just want you to know, this over is three years. All, the, all that's happened is in three years. 
Man, what can God do in the next year or two or three? What can we see in the next just little bit, in the next little moment? What can we see if we'll just say, you know what, God, I'm done staying here. I'm ready to walk with you. See, the truth is, and I didn't know if I was going to mention this, but I will. Statistically, every church plant um, that starts, um, man, the goal is to want to do something, right? Nobody starts tonight. Man, if it, three people show up, we could quit in three weeks. That'd be great. <laughs> Nobody thinks that. It's not worth it if we can do that. But I just want you to know, in the first four years, um, 68% of church plants die. Four years. And I think what happens, because I, I kind of feel that at the moment, is we get to this point where we're like, man, look at all God's done. Let's stay here. Let's sit right here. Let's sit right here and enjoy what God has done. Let's rest. There is no time to rest. There's no time to sit. There's no time to, to, to wait. We can look back, but we need to walk forward. Right. And this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that in Matthew 14. I'm so excited about this word this morning for us. I believe for us personally and for our church that this could be a pivotal moment on, on, the, on the platform here. The truth of it is, when we started this thing, there were two goals. There was one vision that's wrapped around two different things, and it's that um, the lost would be found. It's simple, right? The lost would be found. And those that were far would be brought near. And everything we do and everything we're going to continue to do is going to be wrapped around those moments. But to be honest, the truth of it is, if you're here, um, you may fit into one of those categories, and we're all kind of always in one of those two categories. But we cannot accomplish those two things if this is all we're aiming for. Is showing up on Sunday. Amen? And this morning, um, I prayed, God, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? And I had 14 different things, and this is the thing uh, that consumed my thoughts yesterday. Um, so this morning, we're just going to jump into this. It's in Matthew 14. Uh, Matthew 14, and it takes place well into the ministry of Jesus. So, uh, we're kind of 14 chapters in now of Jesus, you know what Jesus does. And uh, the beginning of Matthew 14, we see that um, John the Baptist is going to be headed. John the Baptist being um, Jesus' cousin. John the Baptist being the man that announced um, Jesus is coming. He was out preaching the wilderness. Weird looking dude. Um, but he was doing what God had called him to do. He was out preaching the wilderness, wearing camel hair. That's weird. Eating bugs. That's even weirder. I wouldn't do that. Um, that's what he was doing. And the crazy thing is, he went out into the wilderness, the spiritual wilderness and the physical wilderness, and he started preaching, hey, the kingdom of heaven is coming. You need to repent and get ready. That was his message. That's all he said. There might have been a couple other words wrapped around that, but I mean, that was the deal, right? He's out in the wilderness where nobody is, and he's leading an amazing revival in that moment. Isn't that cool? God was sending people to him. This guy dressed weird, looking weird, acting weird, eating weird. God was sending people to him. And then... Um, Anytime we're doing something God wants us to do, it's not always safe, and John ends up being beheaded, just preaching <laughs> often. And this moment, um, Jesus, feeling the weight of that and feeling kind of the the, the depth of that, um, goes off to mourn. You see in verse 13, when Jesus heard about this, he withdrew um, by both, and he went into the wilderness. Jesus went to get away from everybody and except his disciples, I guess. Um, he goes into this place to mourn. The problem is, um, when Jesus gets there, people hear about it, and people flock to Jesus. Jesus is going out into the wilderness to mourn, and here come all these people. Hey, we've got to go see Jesus. I just want you to see that this morning, because I want you to know we've forgot somewhere along the line, or we've listened to too many lies somewhere along the line. Jesus is a popular guy. Amen? Church may not be Jesus is. Uh, I can invite you to church all day long. That sounds like a bad deal. <laughs> hey, great. I'm going to go sit there and sing songs I don't know and be uncomfortable. I have to wake up early on Sunday. And then somebody's going to talk for too long. And then I'm going to leave. That sounds like a bad deal. Church may sound like a bad deal. Jesus does not. Amen. We're just preaching the wrong message. Come to church. Come to church. Come to church. Who cares? Here's the gospel. Here's who Jesus is. That's the right message. So Jesus shows up in the wilderness. And here come all these people. Jesus is trying to mourn, and then he's surrounded by herds and herds of people. This will be frustrating to me. 
I mean, it happens every time Jesus shows up somewhere. Jesus is just trying. Like, I'll be like, I'm trying to cry. Can you go away? Like, I'm just trying to my cousin. I love that guy. And I'm trying to mourn for him. And then you go on your way. That's me. I would have done that. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus, even though busy, even though there with a different purpose, sets down and teaches these people and heals these people. And I just want to say this morning that man, Jesus may be a busy guy, but he is not too busy for you this morning. Amen. Jesus sees you, and he knows you, and he loves you, and he cares about you. And whatever it is you needed this morning when you walked in this room, Jesus is here to let you receive that this morning. He's not too busy for you. He may be working on over here, but he's not too busy for over here. I just want you to see that. He may be busy saving the world somewhere else, but he's not too busy to show up in this moment. That's the pattern of Jesus. So these people show up, and Jesus starts meeting their needs, and then the disciples come up, and they're like, hey, it's getting late, there's no food here because we're in the wilderness, and we don't want to eat bugs, and they don't need to eat bugs, and you need to send them away, and Jesus goes, nope, what do you got? We got five loaves and two fish, I was going to eat that in the boat, that's my snack, you can't have that. And Jesus says, get them to sit down. Jesus starts breaking off bread and heard the story of fish, and hands out enough that everybody gets something. Can you imagine like 5,000 men and then women and children, there's probably 15,000 people here. I think I thought it was a few weeks ago. There's probably 15,000 people here. Five loaves of two fish. Everybody wouldn't even get a crumb kind of on my meal plan on that thing. <laughs> but everybody gets full. Nobody's left out. Everybody gets exactly what they need and more. And then there's 12 baskets of leftovers because that's Jesus' night. This morning, Jesus has enough for everyone to get full. He has enough for all of you to get what you need and leftovers, which means you can bring somebody next week because we've got baskets left over that they need. Amen? And then after dinner is done, after the message has been preached, we enter the story where we're coming in this morning. This isn't. 22, that immediately after dinner here, Jesus being he, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Now to me this seems backwards, doesn't it? Jesus is like the leader, he's the boss, he's the guy, he's who everybody's there for. If you want the crowds to go away, if you'll just make Jesus go away, <laughs> then the crowds will leave because they're not there for Peter. They don't care about Peter. They don't care about James. They don't care about John. Nobody knows the other guy's names anyway. So, like, um, they're not there. Thank you. Um, they're not there for them. So, Jesus makes all the disciples get in the boat, and then basically Jesus is over there kicking the boat offshore saying, Go. Go into the water. Go to the other side. I'll catch up with you. There's a problem here. One, there's not another boat that we know of. And two, why are the crowds going to go away if Jesus is still there? I've seen about this. And I was like, this is totally a preacher move, right? Make all the people that are going to harass you about leaving to go to lunch get in the car and go away so you can stand around the car as long as you want to. I do it half you guys every week. I was like, Jesus, I mean, you have something in common. Um, so Jesus tells them to get in the boat and kick them off, go to the other side. And Jesus stays and hangs out until everybody's been hugged. Until everybody's been loved, till everybody's had whatever conversation they want to have, and then when the final person is satisfied, man, I've been around Jesus enough, I'm going to go home now, then Jesus leaves. That's awesome, isn't it? That's why he makes the disciples leave, because they're annoying, and he wants to say, I love you. Um, this is that while they did this, uh, he dismissed the crowds. In 23, it says, after dismissing the crowds, after sending all the crowds away, he, being Jesus, went up on a mountain by himself to pray. In this moment, Jesus could actually be alone. The crowds are gone, the disciples are gone, and Jesus goes up the mountain, and Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. This is weird to me because Jesus is God, yes? Okay, Christianity 101, Jesus is God. Um, Jesus is God, and Jesus is praying to God. This sounds a whole lot like talking to yourself, right? Like, if I'm going to go over here in the corner and have a conversation with me, it's a little bit weird. It kind of, in my brain, is the same thing when Jesus does it. But Jesus, in this moment, for some reason, feels the need to pray. It's something that happens over and over and over and over again. We see Jesus getting up early to pray. We see Jesus going to bed late to pray. We see Jesus talking to God all the time. And I just want to say, if it's important that Jesus pray, being God, Man, don't you think it's probably important also that we pray? 
I, I don't need to pray. I just, every once in a while, I just shoot off one, thank you for this food, or right before I go to bed, I'm like, oh, I just wake me up in the morning, like, shoot out one of those quick things. But Jesus intentionally gets along and goes up on the mountain and talks to God. And that didn't look like, hey, thanks for letting me talk to the crowds today. And Jesus feels the need to pray. And if Jesus feels the need to pray, here he's showing the importance of our need to pray. You're not God. If Jesus himself being God needed to talk to God, guess what? You too as well. That's what I'm trying to say here. So Jesus goes up on the mountain. He prays. He's alone. And um, it says, when evening came, he was alone. In 24, it says, but the boat was already over a mile from land. Some of the other stories give us kind of a more accurate description of how far they are away. They're pretty much in the middle of the Sea of Galilee at this moment. They're way away from Jesus. Jesus is up on a mountain, and they are way out in the middle of the lake. Um, it's somewhere between two to four miles, so it's a two-point something, I can't remember, but it's somewhere between two to four miles out in the middle of this lake. At the widest point, the Sea of Galilee is eight miles long. Eight miles long. So they're somewhere in the middle of the lake here, and Jesus is not in the boat. What I want to say that, that why that's important, because geographically, who cares, I've never seen the Sea of Galilee, is what's about to happen didn't just happen. What's about to happen was not, they were kind of in the water near the shore, and Jesus kind of, you know, scooped up into the water, and it got about that high, and they just thought he was walking, and he jumped up on the boat. That's not what is about to happen here. Uh, they are in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, the deep sea, by the way, uh, far away from the shore, by the way. And in this moment, Jesus is about to do something amazing. And I want you to know, it's not just something that was because it was late that happened. It's a miracle from God by God. So it says, But the boat was already a mile from land, and it was battered by the waves because the wind was against them. This moment, Jesus is nowhere to be found. The waves are getting a little crazy. It's getting a little uneasy on the boat because the Sea of Galilee is known for storms and they're not a good thing there. Uh, there's this uh, cool air that comes down from the mountains and the warm air of the sea and the hit pops up storms all the time. And they were in one of these kind of moments where the storm was getting rough. The sea was getting rocky. It was not a fun time on the boat. Yeah, it was a little bit scary on the boat because boats are great if all the water is on the outside. Right? <laughs> Boats are great when they're flipped upright in the direction you want them to be. Boats are not so great when they start going under the water or when it flips upside down. It's a little bit scary in that moment. So you have to imagine it's late at night, it's about to tell us it's about three in the morning. Here are these disciples, these twelve guys in a boat. Jesus is not around here. He's somewhere else. We're alone. It's a little bit rocky out here. It's a little bit scary out here. The wind's against us out here. There's forces trying to kind of knock us over out here. The boat is not a super pleasant place at this point in time in the story. And Jesus is not apparently about there. I just want say that because um, and the truth of it is there's a lot of us that are in that moment right yeah the boat is a little bit rocky right now the boats are great if the outside will cooperate <laughs> boats are not great if what they're sitting on is not For some of us man life is really not awesome right now and life is not doing amazing things right now and it feels like the sea of life is trying to eat us right now I just want to let you know, um, that's not an unusual thing. It's actually a pretty common thing. Some of you guys are like, I'm going to talk about it. We'll wait two or three weeks and we probably will. Those storms happen. So the boat's rocking, the disciples are out there. Uh, it says, uh, and around three in the morning, he came towards them walking on the sea. You let that sink in for me. I mean, you guys have read this story a few times. <laughs> They're in the boat. It's going crazy. Uh, the wind is not fun. And here comes a dude walking towards you on the water. Not in the water. On the water. Jesus is not wasting deep, wading out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He is actually standing on top of the water. His feet didn't really get wet. That's what I'm saying. For two to four miles off the coast of the Sea of Galilee, and the walking miracle is heading toward the boat. You've read the story too many times. Let me just put it to you this way. How many times have you walked on water? I'm not impressed by that. I've read it before. 
Well, it's great. Go walk on water, and then you cannot be impressed. Actually, go home, fill up the bathtub, and just try to do it. Just get in there and try to just stand on top of that water. Go home and try it. I've tried it before. It sounds crazy. But I, uh, not in the bathtub, because I think that I've heard. But, like in the, uh, it sounds crazy. And I pray, God, let me walk on, because it's a cool thing to do. God, let me walk on the water. And you get into the pool, and you go to the bottom. That's how that works. <laughs> you can't do it. The Bible actually even downplays it. Because if I'd have been in the boat, I would have like this. Oh my gosh, we were in the boat and it was crazy and it was storming and stuff was happening and it was freaking out. And then I looked out there and then here comes some dude walking towards us on the water. It was crazy. I've never seen anything like that. Like, nobody can walk on water. That's a miracle. Like, right? That's, I don't know what happened. And they were just like, step, step, step on the water. And they weren't going under and they weren't falling. And at first, I didn't know what was happening. I thought maybe there was like some other kind of boat out there. But as they got closer, I realized, man, he's standing on the water. He's not in the water. He's on the water. He's on top of the water. That would have been my version of Right there. Brad 14.22. It had been three pages long. Not even me. Because this is a miracle. Regardless how many times you read it, you can't do it. Regardless how many times you read it, you can't duplicate it. Nobody else can duplicate it. This is a walking miracle coming towards him in the middle of the night, in the darkest moment, when all the waves are coming and beating the boat. A walking miracle is headed towards the boat. And here comes Jesus, just strolling up like it's no big deal. Hey, it's cool, I'm God, I can do whatever I want to. I can fly over the boat, I can jump over the boat, I can submarine over the boat, one breath and under, and then pop up in the boat, just through the bottom of the boat, no trap door. I could have done anything I want to today, but today, God decided I'm going to walk on the water. I'm just going to show you, um, I, I can do whatever I want to because it's my water. See, the truth of it is, Jesus is not bound by the same laws that we are bound by. Jesus is the God who breathed out the stars. Amen? Yeah, read Colossians. Everything is made through Jesus, by Jesus, for Jesus. He's that God. He's the one who spoke, and the stars left into existence. He's the God who made the earth and formed the earth, and he put the water on the earth, and he put the atmosphere around the earth, and he can do whatever he wants to, because you know what? When you write the rules, you can break the rules. So here Jesus just strolls up, and it's no big deal, walking towards the boat. I didn't need your boat. That's why I told you to leave. I didn't need a different boat. I didn't need your boat. I'm going to make my own way. Because I'm God, and I can do whatever I want to you can't walk on water. I can walk on water. That's how that works. You need to know that, by the way. Can I just say that again to us? You can't walk on water. You can't do that. Can I say it over here? You can't walk on water. Okay? You can't do that. Don't, you go try, and God's going to show you you're not him. So when the storm's coming, and you need a different boat, and you need whatever, you do whatever you need to do, but I just want to let you know you're not God. You don't need a new boat. You need a walking miracle, and that's what Jesus is doing in this moment. So he comes running up towards the boat. I don't know if he's running, skipping, jumping, hopping, whatever it was. He was coming towards that boat. It says that when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were scared to death. And they even said something crazy like this. It's a ghost. They said and cried out in fear. I would love to be with Jesus on this journey. Walking towards this boat, and they're screaming. Can you imagine a bunch of grown fishermen, like a few years rugged men, and they're shouting, like high pitched girl screams, like they were going crazy. Oh my god, it's, it's a ghost! Run! You can't, you're in a boat. Helpless, right? Scared to death, probably all huddled up on one corner of the boat trying to get away. Because I'm going to let you know, it'd be weird for me too. You're like, how do they not know Jesus? How do they not know it was Jesus? How do they not see it was Jesus? How do they not get it was Jesus? Well, A, it was in the middle of the night. It was dark. And B, there was a storm kind of happening all around that. And they weren't thinking in that moment, oh, here comes God to rescue me. They were thinking, oh my gosh, we're about to drown. And now there are ghosts out here. <laughs> this did not get worse. Worst day ever. Next time Jesus kicks up off the shore, I'm jumping back in the water and swimming back to shore. There's not one out of the boat <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't any of this except the point. I'm only talking about there we go. Once when the disciples saw him on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Here comes God trying to help them, and they're still screaming out in fear. Oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. See, the truth of it is, when God approaches, it, it is a scary thing. They're all shouting, screaming. 
and crazy in this boat. And it says in 27, immediately, I love it, it says immediately three times in the story. It says immediately, at that moment, they're screaming, they're freaking out, they're in fear, it's the worst day ever. And into that moment, it says immediately, Jesus, good one, spoke. Worst day ever. And Jesus spoke. He could have spoke two miles down, down the sea. He's God, they could have heard me. I'm on my way. For some reason, he waited until it got like the craziest that it could ever be. And in that moment, God said, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's all right. Because immediately Jesus spoke to them, and he said, have courage. Why are you screaming? You crazy man. Have courage. Be courageous. It is I. Now, literally, what this is saying is I am. You look it up. No lie. Literally, what Jesus said in this moment is, "Have courage, I am." Jesus in this moment is identifying himself with the God of Exodus three, when he's in the burning bush, and Moses approaches. He says, "Who, who am I going to tell him? Tell him I am." And in this moment, he's walking up, and the boat's going nuts, and the wind's going nuts, and probably water maybe coming up over the side, and they're screaming because they're scared to death, because now not only am I going to die in the boat, I'm going to be scared to death doing it, because there's a ghost. And in that moment, Jesus said, you know what, it's okay, I am. I love when Jesus calls himself, I am, don't you? Because you feel it, I'm like, I'm scared to death, so I am. Urge. And it's, I feel like I'm going to die. It's okay because I am alive. And the storm is getting bad. It's okay because I am the one who calms the storm. The truth of it is, what he's saying is, I am what you need. I'm in the middle of the boat. It's scary. It's dark. I can't really even see that good. And, and all I got is a little bit of moonlight, maybe some starlight. If the clouds let me, and here comes something towards me, and I can't tell what it is, and I feel like I'm about to die. And Jesus is like, it's fine. I am what you need. See, some of you guys are in that moment right now where everything's going crazy and you feel like just one little thing and it's over for you. And I just want you to know, in that moment, you need to let Jesus speak and say, you know what, it's okay, I am. I am God, you are not. You keep grabbing the bucket, that's fine. You keep hailing out your mess, that's fine. You keep trying to plug holes in the boat, that's fine. You keep trying to do whatever you can to stop the wind, but I just want to let you know, you are not, but I am. Amen? You keep trying to finish your struggle on your own. You keep trying to get through the battle on your own. You keep trying to get across the sea away from the army on your own. But I just want to let you know, there's a better way, and his way is, I am. Because Jesus is the God who breathes the stars. And Jesus is the God who walks on water. And he's the one who parts the sea. Jesus is the one who can do the things that you can't do. And most of the time, he doesn't even have to do anything to speak. In this moment, Jesus looks at these guys, he's like, it's fine, guys. Be calm. Be courageous. I am. You're worried about the storm. Guess what? I can stop it. Because I am. Don't be afraid. It's okay to be afraid when Jesus is not around. But if you know him, that's never. It's just recognizing and seeing that he will speak. Right? So Jesus in this moment, immediately in this moment, that's real bad, speaks and he says, have courage, I am, you don't have to do that. I am one, don't do that. And this is in 28, Peter says something crazy, he says, Lord, if it's you, because I'm still not really sure, it's dark, command me to come to you on the water. Isn't that a crazy request? Like, I've read this story 45,000 times probably, and for some reason it never hit me that that's just a weird thing to ask. Because the truth of it is, you don't have anywhere else in the Bible that this has happened, right? There's nowhere else you can see where, like, somebody was walking on the water, or this was even a possibility. But here he sees Jesus, this walking miracle, coming toward him, and he's like, God, if it's you, if that's who you are, if it's really you calling out to me, I want to come out of the boat to where you are. If I was one of the other disciples, I'd be like, dude, you are the craziest person I've ever heard in my life. 
You don't even know who that is. You don't know if that's Jesus. You could be making this up. We could be dreaming right now. And you're going to get off this boat and you're going to go to the bottom. And it's going to be at least, at the least, a little bit dangerous. And at the greatest, a really stupid decision. Because the boat, man, the boat is where the comfort is, right? Because the boat, like, in the boat, there's at least some safety, right? In the boat, there's, like, a little bit of dry. We're not under the water. We're not having to swim. Like, in the boat, there's some of that. In the boat, there's a little bit of comfort because you're not like, paddling and trying to keep your head above water. In the boat, there's some of that. In the boat, there's this, there's this idea that we're going to be safe. We're going to be okay. It's going to be good. We're going to be a little bit dry. And we're going we're to be comfortable. There's an expectation in the boat, right? Once you get out of that boat, like all that's off. Out there, it's dangerous, and it's not safe, and it's very wet because it's the sea, and it could be rough, and you don't know that it's good. But can I just speak something to us this morning? Everything that the boat promises is a lie. Because the boat is only safe as long as everything else is cooperating. The boat is only safe as long as the storm's not too bad, Right? The boat is only safe as long as the waves don't get too big, right? The boat is only comfortable when you're not seasick from being tossed all over the place, right? Everything the boat offers, the boat actually cannot fulfill on its own because it's just a boat. So Peter looks at this situation and he's like, you know what? If it's really you, I don't want to be in the boat. I've been in the boat. It's not actually that great. We were scared to death two seconds ago. We feel a little unsure. I want to be out there where you are. So if it's really you, I don't want to just watch you do something really cool. I want to be part of it. If it's really you, I don't want to watch you do a bunch of miracles in front of us. I want to come and step into the miracles. And this is what Jesus says. Huh. All right. Sounds good. You convinced me. Come on. Can you imagine this moment? I don't know if he jumped to the wall of the boat or he like did the toe taps. I have no idea. But it says that he got out of the boat. It says actually in climbing out of the boat. And actually... There's some effort there to get out of the boat. It says, Peter started walking on water and came towards Jesus. I don't know what this looked like. It'd probably be like... For me. Because I'm not sure about water. I've never walked on it. But Peter gets up out of this boat and takes a step towards Jesus... And that step held. I bet you the next one was a little more confident. And that step also held. And then another, and another. I don't know if it took one or 12 or 40, but I knew in that process it tells me that he was walking toward Jesus, that he gets out of complacency, that he gets out of false comfort, that he gets out of false safety, and he gets over out of the boat, and he starts doing this amazing thing. And now not only is he watching Jesus be a walking miracle, he's actually becoming a walking miracle. And it's not cool for anybody else to do for me. I'm not just watching Jesus do everything. I'm taking part in now what Jesus is doing. And what Jesus is doing is worth talking about. I'm not just going to watch Jesus do all the cool stuff. I'm going to come be part of the cool stuff, is what Peter's doing. So he gets out of the boat, he starts walking across the water. And I can imagine the other guys in the boat being like, man, this is the craziest thing I have ever seen. Not only is Jesus walking on the water, Peter is. Peter, he cusses every once in a while. And he's not always a good guy. And he makes bad decisions. And he's doubtful sometimes. Like, Peter says stupid things sometimes. I don't know if you know that. But, like, this, this is Peter, our friend, who's that dude, who's kind of like us. He's like, he used to be a fisherman, just like me. That that's Peter. And he's out there just walking around the water. We're in the middle of the dang lake. <laughs> Since there's in 30, but when he saw the strength of the wind, the forces against him, the things that are trying to keep him 
back those things that are trying to push him away. When he saw the force of the wind, it says he was afraid. And he began to sink. Just a minute ago, this water was solid, and now I'm going down in the water. It's not a pleasant situation. It says he began to sink, and he cried out. This is not like a, hey, God save me. This is a, I'm about to drown in the middle of the lake here. You'll do something like a, a cry, like a thing in you. There's swelling up in you. You just can't hold back. Like you're saying, hand on the car door, kind of cry. Like this is that. And he says, God save me. I can't get back to the boat. Too far away from the boat. And I'm out here in the middle of it, and you're here too. You need to save me. This is immediately, third time it says this in the story, right? Then Jesus reached out his hand, and he caught hold of him, and he said to him, You have little faith, why did you doubt? I think we read these things sometimes when we just like to exert how we would say them, so we're like, You have little faith, and try to make Jesus angry in this moment, and I don't think that's. Think. I think what Jesus is really truly saying in this moment is if you do not realize you are walking on water you were on the water and you were walking you didn't, you didn't see that see the truth of it is it's, the wind is a, a normal natural thing the wind was there before the walking on water and the wind was there hearing and walking on water. There was nothing miraculous about the wind. The wind was just the wind. The miraculous thing was what was happening under feet. Did you say, man, that you were walking, you were walking on the water. That was the miracle, man. That was the amazing thing. Why were you focused on the wind when you were walking with me? Why are you focused on the storm when you're walking with me? Why are you focused on the, the bad stuff when, man, we're doing some really awesome stuff over here? Why are you focused on all the things that are going wrong when there's so much going right? Amen. You get it. We're not just talking to Peter, right? This is in 32. When they got into the boat, this is this, the wind seems stops. Jesus takes one step onto the boat and the wind is done. See, the wind wasn't actually a big deal at all. Jesus allowed the wind. But it wasn't miraculous. Jesus at any point in time had the ability to stop the wind. And he demonstrates that when he steps onto the boat. He says, when he got in the boat, the wind ceased. And then those that were in the boat, worshipped him, and said, Truly, you are the Son of God, which is an amazing moment, actually. Yeah. And you've got to be him. There's been nobody else that could walk on water like that. And you said, I am, and I've, I've seen it, and I believe that. That sounds like a great thing. Amen. Let's sing a worship song. I'm ready. Right? I think so many times we walk away from this story and we're like, Man, isn't it sad that? Peter took his eyes off Jesus and fell in the water. That's how you left it. Right? And I can't believe Peter walking on the water would have taken his eyes off Jesus. I can't believe Peter walking on the water would have looked away. I can't believe Peter is so dumb. I don't know why he did that, Peter. See, I think the tragic thing is the 11 other guys who stayed in the boat. I don't care how long Peter walked on the water. He did something that you cannot say you've done, right? One step, two step. Don't judge Peter because at least he was out there. Right? The tragic thing is there were 11 other people that were willing to sit in the boat and watch God do miracles from somebody else. But they were too afraid to get out of false safety and false comfort and false whatever and just walk out into that and see what God would do there too. I would like to think, man, I'd have been the other guy to do You know what, Jesus, I, I want to come over there too, right? I'm going to come over. If he can do it, you can do it. I want to do it. Let me do it. Call me out there. I want to come too. I would like to think that would be me. But the truth of it is, man, we may not be talking about walking on water this morning, but Jesus is still doing miraculous things on this planet. I just want you to know that. Amen. 
Jesus is still willing to do miraculous things in this world and in this day and in this time. And you maybe don't see it, but I just wonder if we don't see it because everybody's sitting in the boat watching Jesus do all the work. Jesus! Come over here and do this in the boat. Maybe Jesus is saying no. You know what we do? Get out of the boat. Come to me. I'm giving you permission to come. I need a miracle in my boat. <laughs> you want a miracle? Get out of the boat. I need you to come patch this hole. You don't need the boat. That's right. Get out of the boat. I need you to come put my sail back up. <laughs> you don't need the sail. Get out of the boat. Truth of it is, man, I feel like we've got there, don't you? We got to this place where we expect to just sit in the boat and we're content with just watching Jesus out there doing amazing stuff. Man, isn't that cool? How Jesus did that thing. It is. Isn't that cool how Jesus is out there walking on water? Man, it is cool. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. He's a walking miracle. Amen? That's who he is. He is the I am. He's the I just want to let you know that Jesus is out there, but he's not saying I'm the only one that can be out there. Through his power and his presence, through who he is, he's saying to everybody in every church, but especially this one this morning, you can sit in your boat and you can pray for me to do whatever you want to all day long. And I may even do it sometimes because I love you. But if I let your boat stand, if I let your boat just sit there, if I let the water cooperate, if I let the wind cooperate, if I let everything go okay, you will never experience what it's like to walk on the water. Yeah. Amen? Like that's the thing this morning. If I just leave you alone and let you adrift onto the sea of life and just let you do your thing and let you go through and nothing bad ever happens and nothing crazy ever happens and no storm ever comes, if I put a hedge around you where nobody can ever get to you, the truth is I'll never get to you either because you'll never get to me. Man, what if God just allows the wind sometimes? What if God just allows the waves sometimes? What if he allows the other things sometimes to shake that false safety into what it really is alive? What if God really just allows the boat to go crazy sometimes so that we won't be complacent? What if God just allows it to get rough on the sea every once in a while just to dare us or to prod us to step out of the boat into something better? Because when this story was over, I guarantee you, there were 11 other guys that were like, man, it should have been me. Can you not imagine John calling himself the disciple Jesus loves, but he wasn't the disciple walking on the water. Man, I take pride in the fact that Jesus loves you. Well, great, and he does. Man, wouldn't you like to be John, who Jesus loves, who also, by the way, walked on the water and we played some leapfrog and some hopscotch and did some amazing things. And everybody else was in the boat watching, but we were doing the thing. I'd much rather be that one. I just want to say to us this morning, man, if, if we're going to continue personally and as a church to be and do what we need to do, you cannot sit in the boat. Right. Man, if that's what we're going to do, I hope God burns this thing down tomorrow. Amen? Man, if that's all we're going to do, if all we're going to do is sit in a chair and just let storms hit us and be like, ah, Jesus just put our sail back up. <laughs> let the waves get crazy and be like, oh, Jesus, just make sure the water gets out of the boat. Man, I hope it's over tomorrow. But that's also what I hope for my life. You know, man, I can't believe you'd say that you hope the church fails. Well, if we're not going to get out and do what Jesus is going to do, if we're not going to be a walking miracle, if we're not going to get out there and play where the big boys play, if we're not going to do those things, I'm done. I hope you are too. I will not stay in the boat. That's right. I will not. But I just want you to know, that's not just the church. That's me in my life. I will not stay in the boat. Amen? Amen? I will not. 
And if that's what I'm going to do for the rest, if I'm going to be insignificant in the kingdom of God, if all I'm ever going to do is sit in a chair and sing some songs, if all I'm ever going to do is get up and preach, if I'm never going to make a difference, if I'm never going to make an impact, God, you can take me today, right now. Because I want to do what Jesus does. Amen? I want to go where Jesus is going. Amen? I want, I want to tell you where Jesus plays. Can you imagine how amazing it would be just to run on the water? Man, I'd be like a little kid. That'd be the most amazing day ever. And I just want you to know this morning, too, all of you, God is saying, come. Man, if it's you, come. Come. But it's scary. Who cares? Come. Scary in the boat, too. I just want you to know, if you stay in the boat, if you stay in the boat, if you stay in the boat, it's a lie. It is false and it is fake and it will go down out from under you. It will suck you down and you'll be like, but Jesus, I'm John that you love. And you'll be like, that's true, but you wouldn't get in the water so I put you down. Amen? He is God. He is good. And the water is good. And he will show you and I pray that for you. This morning, Jesus is saying to us, as a church, you can come. But I just want you to know he's also saying that to you individually, you can come. This morning it'd be great if we all said, you know what, Jesus, I will come. But if it's a lie in your heart and you're going to set in the boat, do not respond. The people I want to respond this morning, the people God wants to respond this morning, are the people that will say, you know what, I refuse to stay in the boat. I'm done with the boat. You can sink the boat. You can kill the boat. You can rip the boat apart. You can destroy the boat. You can put it on the bottom because I'm going to be walking on the top. I'm not worried about it. I refuse to be in the boat. I may fall. I may fail. The water may go. But I'll cry out. You'll catch me. You'll pull me back up. It'll be a great day. I refuse to stay in the boat. I'm not going to stay anymore. You know what? Because all those things are trapped. Family, it may go down. Friendship, it may go down. Jobs, they will, they'll maybe go down. All those things, money, wealth, stuff, it's all going to go down. Every bit of it's going to go down because it's a boat and it's not made to last forever. But the God who walks on the water, who says you can also walk on the water, that's the guy I want to be with. Amen. Amen.